We are taping this thing live at 841-07-64-58-1937. And the reason I'm telling you that as we take this week's dubcast is because the news has come fast and furious on this yeah. one Tuesday, and it may change by the time you actually hear the show uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. So uh, we, we wanted to get that out of the way, right, my friend? We want to say, listen, we're going to react to a boatload of information that was thrown our way on Tuesday and a strange uh, college football playoff semifinal result, not necessarily the result, but the way that the result went down yeah. and every and all of the fallout from it. Um, so, so that, that sets the table for what is a, a pretty loaded show. And I know you and I have a lot of opinions on these things, but, uh, that was a wild, wild Tuesday, uh, that, that went in the books that started. I got up with my, my youngest son has been sick and we got up at five in the morning and, um, and I woke up to Chip Brown of <laughs> Longhorn Digest tweeting stories about, that he tweeted at like two or three in the morning. Chip's on the Tim case, Beck. man. I'm like, what are you doing up at four in the morning tweeting this nonsense? Like timestamping this stuff at two o'clock in the morning. It's the craziest damn thing <laughs> that Tim Beck was going to Texas. And I'm thinking, well, what in the hell is Tom Herman is hiring Tim Beck? Do they even know each other? The, the whole thing was nuts. This Tuesday was pretty crazy, my friend. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And not only that, but we've got to react to news that isn't quite confirmed, but we right. you know, is basically already out there. And I, I hate being in that limbo situation because yeah. you want to get it right. You want to be you know, on top of it. But you also, like, if there's stuff going around, you have to acknowledge it. You can't just ignore it and say, like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, that's stupid. That's, that's a little silly. So we'll get to that. And, yeah, um, yeah this, is a, this is a nutty Tuesday. And it always seems like there's, there's at least one of these days. Right. In, in either December yeah. or January, there's one day where us, everything happens and you got to deal with it. Um, yeah. And, of and course I think you're still peeled about the result of the festival. So. Right. And, and we'll get to that and we'll get to, you know, some concerning trends, a concerning trend and maybe just a lot of coincidence when it comes to urban. Uh, I want to get to some JT stuff as well. And also the guys going pro. But let's start with uh, what was kind of Black Tuesday with uh, Tim Beck going to Texas and Ryan Day and the Knights. I don't know this guy at all. Uh, he was a GA for. Urban, I have no clue about him. I don't remember yeah. him when I was at Florida. Um, I know he was obviously with. We know his bio by now that he was with the San Francisco 49ers with Chip, and that makes a lot of sense because Urban has a particular affinity for Chip Kelly, and I know Chip has one for Urban. Um, quick story: I was actually in a in the press box in Baltimore and ate popcorn with Chip Kelly as uh, <laughs> Ohio State played Navy, and Chip was co coaching the Eagles. And I I don't know what led me into this story, but I'll tell it quickly. Uh, we were in uh, when we were at the Rose Bowl. And I was at Channel, Channel Ten. I covered Oregon that week, and the other guys and Jeff or Dom, one of the two, covered Ohio State. And so I got to know Chip because I was the only non-Oregon guy there every single day talking to him, going to his practices. And so he recognized when we talked. And Urban and Chip have a great affection for one another, much like Belichick has an affection for both of them. Belichick also has an affection for Saban. So there's, it's like all these brilliant people kind of all going together, and 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 they like being around each other. And there was part of me on Saturday, and I even tweeted it and wondered if there was any chance that Chip would potentially be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State for a year just for fun, just like Shiano did, right. um, and you know, to kind of get back into the swing of things. It's sounding more and more like perhaps he'll end up in New England with Belichick after Josh McDaniel takes a job and be Belichick's offensive coordinator for a year. That seems maybe more likely now. But um, this that doesn't surprise me that Urban would poach somebody from Chip's tree to replace Tim Beck. I'll say this about Tim Beck. I think Tim Beck is a, uh, this was a, a very short list of dream jobs for him. This is an Ohioan. His mom is up here in Hudson where we are. She's a realtor. She's a phenomenal lady and is, is th th this is a good dude. 
And I know he took a lot of garbage from the fans for what happened. I would say that he was put in a near impossible position from Jump Street, being handed those two quarterbacks last year, coming off a national championship with a beloved offensive coordinator who was given a lot of credit for the way the offense looked moving on, and then him left to kind of clean up the mess of Cardale Jones and JT Barrett. And also the idea of being a co-coordinator, you know, with Ed and who's upstairs, who's downstairs, who's calling the place, who's not. I mean, this if in in retrospect now, as we look back on this two year experience with Tim Beck and co-coordinators and quarterback coach, this was probably doomed to fail from Jump Street. And what I would tell Buckeye fan out there is if, if he was incompetent, Tom Herman wouldn't hire him to be his offensive coordinator at Texas. Oh, no. God, no. No. I mean, and that was the thing about all of this is that. I wanted to believe that something like this could work, especially with Ed being, you know, as good of an offensive line coach as he was. I think a lot of people wanted him to be able to make that kind of natural progression in his career. And I was just looking and, and thinking about the last like year and a half where you've got a situation where, okay, we're, we're set on offense. Like everybody's good. You know, Herman's leaving, right. but you know, we've got this amazing coach and Ed and we've got, you know, another guy that we're bringing in who remember not super high on, but we think he's going to do good things and urban vouches for him and all that stuff. And it just feels like the last two years have been a really big regression. And the culmination of this, a lot of people might look at Tuesday and go, holy crap, I can't believe all this came down the pike at once. But for me, that had to have been building all throughout the month of December because to field an offense as bad as what you saw in the Fiesta Bowl with that much time to get ready and to like you know adjust and do some things, uh, that says a lot about coaching overall. And heads were going to roll. I, it was just as you know the question was how many and who. And so yeah. I don't you know I, I wish them the best. And, and like you said, Tom Herman is not going to hire some just trash dude to be a yes man. But um, it was it was inevitable and it was just a matter of when that hammer was going to drop i'm i'm not i think i'm shocked at how shocked i am that urban meyer did it so quickly at at this point i feel like i should probably get used to that but well um, john i mean what's interesting to me is obviously this has been working for a a month you know the last couple of weeks they went into the college football semifinal knowing that tim was going to be moving on and we don't know if ed's going to be or not the plane dealer is reporting as we do this show on tuesday that, that Ed will be back. I've heard some people say Ed's back for now. Uh, you've clearly, by now, you've heard the reports of, of Kevin Wilson. There's too much smoke there for that not to be fire. Uh, mm-hmm. for, for Dan Dockage to come out on his show and say that's done, with Dockage's ties to Urban going back to Bowling Green and Dockage's ties to Indiana from being a former player and doing his show in Indianapolis, he's not putting that out there, I don't believe, unless it's factual. And he's not the only one. Others have too, but he was the first one that I saw reported. So, so Kevin Wilson's coming over here. So um is 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 kevin wilson going to come over here to be a co well greg shiano came over here to be a co and that worked out okay so uh but wilson's going to be calling the plays rest assured so oh yeah then what do you do with ed what do you do with coach stud i mean you where's stud gonna go i mean he's your line coach now um warner's forte is offensive line i would argue he's the best offensive line coach in the country so that that's your quagmire on a tuesday <laughs> you know <laughs> that that that's going to get probably sorted out over the next couple of days and then over the next week. But this thing, uh, th- this thing has been per- percolating for a while. And um, I have been told uh, I'm not reporting, but I have been told that Kevin Wilson has been to Columbus several times in the last month and it's been kind of a known deal. And then, so you ask yourself um, this Tim Beck, Tom Herman thing doesn't happen in 12 hours. No, I mean, there's been conversations clearly between the two of them. 
Uh, you saw Stan Drayton going to Texas. So Tommy's putting his staff together in, in Texas and, and getting some of the Ohio guys he liked. You wonder if maybe Ed follows or somebody else along that tree follows. Who knows? This That's pure speculation. Um, but my guess is that all this stuff has been kind of percolating for the last couple of weeks. And you say, well, no wonder they got drilled 31 to nothing. Like, yeah. if, if all of this stuff now, and I don't think the distraction is cause for the loss. This Look, they were better. Clemson was better. Oh, I mean, clearly, yeah. To say... There's, there was nothing in my mind. There was nothing Ohio State could do to win the game. There was ways that Ohio State could have made that game competitive, but there was nothing they could do to win that game. I mean that that I think they played ten times. Clemson wins seven or eight. I mean they just were they're just physically dominant up front. I mean Deshaun is just a different animal. The the receivers everything they had everything you not you need, but there's obviously was a lot of distraction on the staff going into that game. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to be able to score with Clemson. And that was the biggest thing you miss. You, you know, you miss two field goals right up front and you have nothing going on offense. You can sustain no drives at all. Uh, there was just I, I think what was frustrating watching the game was not just the fact that they weren't able to get anything done, but it just seemed like there was no plan. It, it seemed like there was no like consistent idea or concept of what they were going to try to do and i know you know clemson going into it obviously they've got some really good coaches i mean their defensive coordinator is obviously unbelievable and venables is great yeah and and you know like some of the guys you know the ohio state's offensive line did not have a great game at all um you know i think jamarco did good and then everybody else is kind of struggling a little bit and when they can just tee off on you with their defensive line like they did there's not a whole lot you can do so it just felt like you were treading water for the entire game and when people see that, when they see players running around and, and playing hard but just failing, they put that on the coaches. And and you kind of said this a little earlier, but like one of the things that Beck brings to the table is recruiting. And I know that's one of the big things that, you know, Herman is going to value mm-hmm. at Texas. Yeah. And it's one of the things that Urban Meyer valued a lot. Um, and I, I, you know, I was thinking about this a little earlier. I know I've talked about this in other dubcasts, but you want a guy who has like his own skills, right? Somebody who can bring something to the table. I think it also has to be situational now <laughs> because as much as I, as much as I value the, uh, you know, the guy who can go out and recruit and do that kind of thing. Um, you also want a guy who can sit in the, the staff room and actually come up with a game plan. And, and the other thing that I was going to bring up is, you know, Nick Saban uh, was ongoing spat with uh, Kiffin at this point right. where Kiffin doesn't want to do that, and they kick him out of the room before the national championship game. So I, it's it's a definitely a really fine line to walk for all of these guys. Well, and, it is, and the the difference is that Saban had Sark on staff and right, ready to go, which helps. And, and 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 Urban, you know, who knows how long this this has been known between him and Wilson and uh, the Beck Herman stuff. So you know, look, it's not ideal. Um, I think it's a shame that they that the NCAA can't get their calendar situated so where this this doesn't happen mm-hmm. because it wasn't right to the University of Houston kids that Tom bailed on them, you know, before their bowl game. He should be able to see that out, but because of recruiting, he had to get to Texas as soon as possible. So I don't know if the recruiting calendar needed to be needs to be backed up or sped up or whatever, but it would be nice if these guys, if like the, all of this would wait until like January tenth before right. all this hiring and firing could take place because it would be, it would really be nice, you know, if, if these guys, you know, like what happened at Alabama or what happened here, you know, in Columbus, because in the back of my head, I go, well, geez, I, I mean, maybe is Tim Beck already thinking about Texas when he's coaching against, when he's coaching Ohio state in the game mm-hmm. is, is, 
you know, what's Ed's focus if he thinks he's going to get demoted or maybe be looking for another job? You know, you think I think about those things like how, how much and the defense was great. But I mean, like Luke's trying to do two jobs, you know, so like right. that's a tough gig, you know. So either way, I, th- I think the big thing to, that I think will happen here and it's more than just the offense, the offense got to get figured out clearly. But I think I'm reminded of when Urban's first offseason, when he basically put Zach Bourne and those guys through pure hell, that first, you know, conditioning in the winter, and he wouldn't let them in the locker room and he wouldn't let them wear scarlet and gray. They're not going to go to that length. But I think that there will be a breaking down a little bit of the program. And yeah. and because this was, how, you know, they had positioned themselves to be not quite Alabama, but right there. And this was a big slap in the face that you're not, Bama and you're because this doesn't happen to Alabama they don't lose 31 to nothing in a national semifinal um so 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 this this was a pretty big slap in the face you know to the program of we're really good but we're not there and the other programs in this league are coming hard I mean you saw what Penn State did Michigan's clearly on the ascent I mean there needs to be kind of a, a refocus now I think of the program and I think that'll happen over the off season and Wilson the hiring of Wilson look Urban's one of the few coaches who could hire a guy just, you know, less than a month after he was fired or a little more than a month after he was fired for allegedly being abusive to players and nobody bats an eye. Like right. it was him and Saban yeah. were the two guys who could fire Kevin or could hire Kevin Wilson, maybe Stoops that could hire him and nobody says a word. Um, so look, everything I've read about what happened at Alabama and it's or at Indiana and admittedly isn't much, but what I have read, it all seems like normal football coach stuff. And it's stuff that you tolerate if you're at Alabama or Ohio State, but maybe you don't tolerate it when you're a player at Indiana. Um, does it bother you at all that that he has that past? A little bit, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, if if I'm being honest, I think it's something that you got to keep an eye on because, you know, ultimately the players are already putting their health and safety at risk playing the sport. I mean, that that's just yeah. that is how football is, um, and so you don't want to have a coach that I think will exacerbate that by maybe you know running these insane practices and not letting people drink water and whatever the crap is going on in Indiana. But um, I just, it's something that you got to keep an eye on. And I think coaches need to be held accountable. And it does bother me a little bit that, you know, if that's why you were terminated, you essentially suffer zero consequences for that termination. I mean, yeah, you lost your job and it sucks not being a head coach anymore, but to have enough friends in the industry to just be able to pick up and be an offensive coordinator at one of the top, you know, three programs in the country and then get another job probably in two years, that doesn't really smack of consequences to me. That just basically means that you get to get another job where you'll get paid probably about as much or well, not as much, but maybe he's close to a million. That's what I'm saying. A comparable salary to what you were getting in Indiana. He's not taking a huge hit there. So that does bother me a little bit. I think as, you know, the news guys, we got to keep an eye on that and see what the players are saying about it. Um, I know how difficult that will be to suss out. Yeah. I don't think someone's going to. Coming up to the, the reporters and going, man, <laughs> Coach Wilson's killing us today. But right. you got to keep your ears open. And I, I yeah. just think that's something that we got to, you know. We got to keep an eye on. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it, but I also think Kevin Wilson is an incredible coach, and I also think Ohio State's got a lot, a lot of accountability within its own um, running of the program. I don't think they're just going to let a coach come in and walk all over the players. I think they're, they're a little more um, attentive than that. And to take it a step further, it's Urban's program, right? So I mean, no one's going to be abusing any sort of powers. He has ultimate power, right? Um, And I think that's a place I want to go next with this because. 
when you look back, I can't imagine what a sobering feeling it was for Urban. By the you know, he gets back to his hotel and he looks in the mirror, and this is a man who has won. Uh, you know, at levels only Newt Rockney previously has done, and and at, at that type of rate, and and never really lost, and never been humiliated. Obviously, had never been shut out until Saturday, and and he looks in the mirror at you know whenever he got into his room at two o'clock in the morning, and he and he goes, "Wow, I made my reputation on being a exemplary offensive coach and special teams coach, and those two failed me. Yeah. My offense failed me, and my special teams were awful." And that's a tough thing to try to admit to yourself. And um, what what it, what's interesting to me is we're after year five, right? This is this was the cult. This was the completion of Urban's fifth year at Ohio State, and he only coached one more year at Florida. And I'm not suggesting that he's only going to coach one more year at Ohio State, but he only coached one more year at Florida after that. I think he went eight and five or eight and four, something like that. It is sixth year at Florida, and his last uh, at the end of his. Um, Fifth season at Florida, he had an undefeated team led by Tim Tebow as a senior. They play Alabama in the SEC championship game and get smoked. Um, it was something like nineteen to fourteen at half, and they end up losing like thirty-eight fourteen or something like that. But it was that Florida team had had never been touched. After that, he has the the heart palpitations and he tries to quit, and they talk him out of it, and they end up annihilating Cincinnati in a Sugar Bowl game that never should have happened, and uh, <laughs> they and they never should have played that. You know, never should have no. been a matchup. But anyway. So they annihilate Cincinnati like 107 to two, and then the next year he comes back after Tebow, and they go eight and five, and then he's done. He steps down, health reasons. I'm done. Yeah, and he leaves Florida, where the people at Florida are really pissed off, and they're not over it, and they still hold it against him, even though he's the best coach he's ever had, and they've won. He won two national championships, and so on and so forth. He'll they'll never get over it. Well, this is the end of the fifth year. He finishes his fifth year at Ohio State of what has been an exemplary run, the best run in the history of the program in my eyes in terms of what was accomplished and where the program is, with a 31 nothing loss to Clemson in what is, without question, one of the most lopsided losses of his career and one of the most embarrassing and certainly the only shutout. And it, I, I, you know, the, the thing is with history, if you don't learn from it, you will repeat it. Yeah. And I think that he learned from it uh, at Florida. And what undid him at Florida was, A, taking suspect kids, so we haven't had any of that, uh, not to the extent that he had at Florida. He, we haven't taken, I mean, he really hasn't taken hardly any high risk kids. Kids have screwed up when they've been on campus and uh, some have been booted and some have been rehabilitated, but there's never been, uh, he's never taken a suspect kid. He took a lot of suspect kids at Florida. And the other undoing of his program at Florida was when he lost assistant coaches, he did not hire them with people who were of their level. And yeah. that seems to be the difference here too. As Shiano is an upgrade, Larry Johnson's an upgrade. I and mean, you could argue that everything other than the replacement of Tom Herman has been an upgrade on the staff. So it appears to me that he has learned from what happened at Florida, and that's the best thing that we can hope for. So let me let me go with three things on that because that's you bring up a lot of really. Oh, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, no, but I, but I, there are three things specifically that I want to talk about. The first thing is the the nature of the loss. It was a historic loss, not just for Urban Meyer, but for Ohio State in general. I did a a little quick post about it after the game. Uh, Ohio State had never been shut out in a bowl game since their first bowl game in nineteen, I think nineteen twenty one. Um, so I saw your story, but I'm still reacting to it because that's crazy. Yeah, you know, a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, um, it was their first shutout in any game since 1993. They lost 28 to nothing to Michigan in 1993. So 23 seasons of football, they had not been shut out in any game. Um, and then, of course, I think in 195 games, it was their Myers first shutout. So that that's 
in of itself a huge psychological blow, I think. I mean, that that is really difficult to not be able to score any points in, in a game, especially since, you know, you got a streak going back that far. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about, and you just mentioned it, was the hiring, which is, I think that's really important, not just because you want to have good coaches, but because I think what Urban Meyer was doing at Florida is that he would be replacing these guys with maybe lesser talent and then taking on the responsibilities that that lesser talent couldn't do. That's exactly what happened in Florida. Right. And what I think I was seeing a little bit during December was maybe, or at least maybe, I mean, maybe this is me projecting my own, you know, thoughts into this, but what I think might've happened was you've got some offensive guys who are not pulling their weight and Urban Meyer had that impulse maybe to step in and do everything. And he didn't, he was like, you know what? I hired these guys to do a job. If they do it, we're going to look great. If they don't, they're fired. And I think maybe that's what the conclusion that it came to was um, that there has to be some kind of wholesale change. Uh, the third thing I want to say though, is what I think is most important. And it, it comes down to me to overall players like personnel and who you have on the team. Uh, I don't think they have an eight and five team for next year. I think their talent level is just way too high across the board. They're going to lose a lot of dudes, you know, especially okay. in the secondary. Let me just jump in really quick on that because this is important. Okay. They didn't think that at Florida either. Yeah. They were loaded. His last two recruiting classes were in the top five. His last recruiting class at Florida was the number one recruiting class. His last year at Florida, when they had eight and five, they had the number one recruiting class in the country come in. I should have mentioned that when I was saying all the similarities. Well, that's fair. They're really eerie. But but the kid who was waiting to play quarterback had a red shirt. His name was John Brantley. And you might say, right. who the hell's John Brantley? Well, John Brantley was the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Yeah. And he was waiting to replace Tebow. So they had a ton of talent. I mean, they were really loaded because he had recruited the way he recruits here. I mean, the talent wasn't the issue. It was something else entirely. He lost his program. He lost the identity of the program. They became entitled. The young kids didn't listen to the old kids. It was a bad culture at the end. Um, and to your point, that isn't the case here. Right. I don't think they have a culture problem here at all. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. And I I mean, I, I understand what you're saying with like the talent and whatnot. Brantley, I mean, I, I actually was really interested in Brantley just because he was such a different type of quarterback, or at least he, he ended up playing differently than a lot of what Urban Meyer had before him. Um, yeah, he should have went to Texas. He was committed to Texas earlier with Matt right. Brown. He would have been far better served going out there and playing in the spread than trying to run read option with Urban. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's part of what, what hurt him a lot. But well, I guess what I would say is you still have a lot of leadership on the team coming into yeah. next year, and, and that's going to serve them well. Uh, I think going into the Big Ten season. And what's interesting to me is that the way the schedule is structured next year is that they kind of start into that like immediately, right? Like I think the first game is basically Indiana. So yeah, it's on a Thursday night. Yep. Right. So that I think might be a, like that might help them psychologically to get them more into the flow of the season. I, I just think there's a lot more things that are favorable for next year for Ohio State, even if, you know, Kevin Wilson, whoever else they hire, doesn't necessarily, you know, light up the world or anything like that. Coaching wise, I just think that overall they're better set to continue to be good than yes. maybe what was going on at the end of his tenure at Florida. Um, with that it's, said, yeah. there are definitely some warning signs. You look at, yeah. you know, a lot of similarities line. anyway. Yeah, you know, I mean, but if you look, you know, in terms of units, like you look at the offensive line, there needs to be a lot of help at offensive line, especially if they end up losing dudes. You've got to be really, really careful that that thing doesn't like, you know, fall apart because they are really, really thin. So I, I think they have to make some really concerted moves uh, to shore up like, you know, their their players and whatnot uh, in the offseason. But if they can do that, I still think it's a team that can challenge for the Big Ten championship and maybe even yes. make the playoffs. Absolutely.
Absolutely. I, I agree. I think, um, I don't think there's any of the problems, but there are a lot of just things that are similar. And yeah, um, the, the way it ended with him at Florida, nobody down there ever thought that that would happen. I mean, right. nobody. I mean, <laughs> they thought he'd be there 10 years and there'd be no problem. They'd cruise. So, um, and I'm not suggesting there's going to be any problems here. I'm just saying there's a lot of similarities between the way it ended at the end, the, la- the end of his fifth year at Florida and the end of his fifth year at Ohio State. Yeah. When you talk about what they're going to be next year, um, if, if the staff, and I think this, there won't be too many more changes other than you know, however this, you know, Wilson role shakes out. Um, right. What, what it really come down to is who's coming back and who's not. And we know Malik Hooker's gone. We know that uh, Gary Connolly's gone. I believe that Marshawn Lattimore and Raekwon McMillan will also be gone. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance on Baugh. I think there's a better than decent chance on Samuel. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody I'm forgetting. Jamarco, yeah. maybe. Jamarco, yeah. Interesting tweets, you know, from yeah. him and his mom today right. that kind of made you think that maybe he could he could be gone. Anybody on the defensive line, Taekwon, any um Taekwon might I, would, I mean maybe he led yeah. the he led the defense in sacks again. He was he was excellent. I think he's an incredibly yeah. underrated player. A lot of it's just how these guys are gonna get graded out. I mean I think that's sure. really and, they see yeah, the dollar signs in, the in their of, eyes. You're exactly right. And it's you know, in the case of Brian Hartline, he was sick of going to school. Yeah, when he went, it's not like he had a great grade. He was a fourth round grade, but he didn't want to go to school anymore. He's done. He didn't want to play with Pryor, and he didn't want to go to school anymore. He was right. dead enough. So sometimes that's the case. Um, and this is where you where you talk about you know when the opportunity is there, you have to you have to make sure that it counts because you, we can say we were a year away, we're a year away, but the reality is is you're going to have a whole new secondary next year. You're going to have a new middle linebacker next year. You're going to have a new center next year. You may have a new H back slash playmaker. And if you looked around, you didn't see any playmakers at receiver this year. You didn't see uh, anybody behind Mike Weber who could even, we never even saw another running back. So, I mean, if they have to replace Curtis Samuel, that would be a tremendous loss. Yeah. Um, that would be, to me, of the potential losses, I don't even know where they would begin with replacing him. Like, I love Demario McCall, but I don't know if he's ready to be Curtis Samuel. Um, and, and there was nobody, I didn't see anybody at receiver to me. Who I looked at and went, yeah, that that dude's there's a stud. There will absolutely. I mean, I just didn't see one, and that's yeah. a problem because you recruited at a very high level, and I don't know if they're not getting developed or what the issue is, but but that's a big problem. Yeah, I don't. I agree with. You. I think there's going to be some solid dudes at wide receiver. I think Benjamin Victor and some of the other guys might you know show up. KJ Hill, but they're not. <laughs> they're not going to light the world on fire or anything like that with their their play at wide receiver. I think you just have to have consistency, yeah, honestly. I mean, the defense, I'm not too worried about the defense overall. I think the linebackers that are going to remain are still very, very good. Um, I think some of the guys that they had of backups in the secondary are going to be able to step up and be good. Uh, you just have to have a consistent offense. You can't go from scoring, what, 63 points or 62 points in back-to-back games and then just laying an egg for the rest of the season. Yeah. Like, you've got to have consistency. And honestly, I know this sounds contrarian. And I, every time I say this, people just roll their eyes. I don't need a bunch of playmakers. You got to have one guy that you can kind of lean on one guy who can do what he can do. And, and they're really good at, you know, doing what they do. You could have like a Braxton Miller type or even a JT bear who can like run and throw the ball. But if you have too many, if you have too many guys that you're trying to spread the ball around and everybody's going to do their thing, you, you don't develop a plan. You do not develop a game plan that allows it to, you know, allows you to do simple things well. And, 
I didn't see that from the team this year. I did not see an offense that had a theme or a plan. I just saw a bunch of guys like, how are we going to get this happening? How are we going to do this? And it, it didn't seem like there was consistent like thesis or concept every single game. And you want to have that. You want to have a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or whoever, we can go, all right, this is how we're going to structure this game. And I did not see that. And I don't care I you just if you don't have a Curtis Samuel. I just yeah. want a dude who can carry the ball 25 times and get 110 yards. That's all I need. Yeah, I think I think their offense requires more of that. I, I think that what you just described is the 2015 season followed by the 2016 season. The 2015 well, yeah. season, they had too many playmakers. They didn't know what to do. 2016 season, they didn't have enough, right. and and they didn't know what to do. So, I mean, they're they're gonna <laughs> just give me you know, a guy. Got to get it figured out, and and then that brings us to JT Barrett because yeah. um, he took a ton of crap uh, over the yeah. weekend, and look. Any expectation I had before this season, and I thought that they would be in the college football playoff. I thought they'd be 12 and one. I thought they'd win the Big Ten. And it was all predicated on two things Urban Myers, your coach, and JT Barrett, your quarterback. That's it. I mean, that was it. I, I believed in those two things unequivocally. Now, the way it played out was Luke Fickle and Greg Schiano developed the most fun defense I've ever seen in 10 years covering Ohio State. The um and and the and JT Barrett had a disappointing year because of the standard that he has set. Um, it was, he's a 61% passer who had trouble with uh, his confidence, clearly, who had trouble um, with not only the confidence up front, but of his receivers, who wasn't accurate as he needed to be. Um, there were moments in the game on Saturday where he missed really wide open guys. He got a lot of balls batted down, which leads you to believe he's staring down receivers. And this is a kid who's in his fourth year on campus and his third year really as a starter. And, and you say to yourself, boy, um, he's going to rewrite the Ohio State record book. He's going to be a three-time captain at Ohio State. Urban Meyer loves him. And I've seen some of the stuff on some of the boards about, oh, is Haskins going to play a package or is Tate Martell, blah, blah. No, listen, folks, <laughs> Urban loves JT, loves his game, more importantly. He named him a captain when there was no reason to. Um, and and this will be JT Barrett's team next year. It will be his team completely. And and we will go where JT Barrett takes us, period. I mean, unless, barring injury, no one's going to take a meaningful snap other than him next year. And I'd bet my life on that. Um, so then the question becomes, how do you find somebody to get the most out of him? And maybe that's where uh, Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson step in. And maybe that's the bet that Urban's making, that those guys can get out of him what Herman got out of him and put him in the best position to succeed. I mean, who is JT Barrett? I mean, that that's, I you know, I think a lot of people think that... A really good college quarterback. Yeah, well, and I agree with that. But I also am looking at his stats from the last couple of years. It's not like there's been a huge, crazy difference in 2016 from 2015. If you look at his numbers, they're basically identical. And I, I know that's there the was problem. tons of stuff going on in the background, but... Is but this a guy who was? Right. You expected him to take over, like you expected him to be a dynamic difference maker, and he just wasn't. I think JT. I think you can win a national. I think you can win a national championship. Ezekiel Elliott and Devin Smith and everybody else. That's it. That's it. You can win a championship with him, but you have to have a lot of talent around him. He's not somebody who can Cam Newton you to a championship. Right. He can't put you on his back. He can't Braxton. He's not Braxton. No. Braxton could do that. Braxton could put a program on his back. And carry it for two and a half year, three years. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. not that player. Um, and yet he's still a great college player and a great college quarterback. And 
he will be your quarterback of, of record next year. And I mean, I do you read it any way other than that? I mean, I just no. can't see a scenario when it's where it's any way other than that. No, hell no. I mean, I know people, God, <laughs> the the tweets that we get yeah. uh after yeah. games, you know, demanding that, you know, somebody else start a quarterback and somebody else take a series or something mm-hmm. like that. And especially for next year, there's gotta be a controversy. There's not gonna be a controversy. JT Barrett's gonna be no. senior. It's his team. He has the complete trust of Urban Meyer. His teammates love him. I, there is absolutely no way in hell that he gets, you know, somebody's going to like take his spot or served or anything like that. I mean, the, the dude has got a lockdown on that position at Ohio State. And for better, or for worse. But honestly, like, it's not all on him. I, and that's the thing that I think Ohio State fans maybe have gotten a little skewed about because you've watched Braxton Miller do everything for the team for several years. Yeah. And then you expect the quarterback, you know, follows him to kind of do the same thing. That's just not the same. He's not the guy. He's he's a distributor who is very, very intelligent, um, but he doesn't have the best arm. He's not the fastest dude in the world. Uh, if his offensive line isn't doing their job, he can't make up for those deficiencies. I mean, you watch Braxton Miller avoid 30 sacks a game, you know, <laughs> in the first part of his career that's because right. he could. JT Barrett can't. And that's OK. He shouldn't have to. Um but I think people have to understand that it's, it's gotta be a concerted effort by everybody in the offense to perform well. And, you know, if JT Barrett, he's making the right reads and stuff like that. And he's, he's, you know, trying to find the guy who's open, but nobody's open you know, on a wide receiver. You can't throw to him. You're not going to have a good, you know, completion percentage. So. No. And I think if you, everything you said spot on, I think if you think back to, you know, his first year as a starter where he finished fifth in the Heisman yeah, and you put yourself in position of remembering that team that, ended up winning the national championship and you, you start to say, okay, Zeke Elliott, Michael Thomas was on that team. Jalen Marshall was a stud on that team. Uh, Devin Smith was on that team. Um, Evan Spencer was on that team. <laughs> Jeff Hireman was on that team. Right. I mean, what's the common denominator? It's NFL everywhere. Yep. Right. They're all NFL guys. And, and the, the, the thing is, is you look now, at specifically the receivers, and you spotted this in August, and it was real. Um, the lack of playmaker at receiver is a stunning development, considering the way that they've recruited. Um, that they have not landed somebody who is a stud at receiver, and they just haven't. And whether they whether they haven't developed them, maybe they've landed them and haven't developed them. But that's crisis issue number one for me. Uh, the offensive line with all of its losses. It wasn't great this year, but it wasn't an abomination. It got pushed around by better teams up yeah. front. The teams that were better up front pushed them around. They didn't. They didn't play over their pay grade. They didn't play, you know, over their, you know, their talents. But there's nothing at receiver right now. I mean, I would have killed to have Jalen Marshall on this team. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. would have killed to have him. I mean, there was nobody, and Jalen was a, was an undrafted kid, you know, and and he had you know some fumble stuff with the punt returns and all of that, but. There was nobody on this team that was in the league of Jalen Marshall. No, at receiver. I mean, they had, Curtis Samuel had to do all of that. That to me, when you talk about JT Barrett and whatever our expectation will be for next season, they had better damn well in in March and April when they're going through spring football. They had better find that playmaker. And if he's not on the roster, then they've got a month. And they maybe he's in the signing class, which is so great. There maybe there's one in the signing class that can come in and play right away. Urban won't be scared of that. Uh, if you're good, you play, especially when they were lacking playmakers. But the lack of talent, I shouldn't say talent because I'm assuming a lot of these kids have talent. Everybody wanted them. The lack of production on the outside is a stunning development 
And if, if he doesn't have some talent out there, it's going to be another long year because I got news for you. I like Mike Weber a lot, but he's not Zeke Elliott Mm-mm. and he's not Carlos Hyde. So he's a nice player, but he's, he's more of the, in the boom Heron role. He's, he's yes. more that type of player. He's not Zeke and he's not Carlos Hyde and boom was great. And Mike can be great. But to me, you can't ride Mike Weber to a national championship. No. So they need to get some playmakers. Well, and one of the crazy stats that I saw is uh, today, uh, I think they had three pass plays of over 40 yards this season. Like there are 255 passes. That's that's, that's awful. And that doesn't yeah. surprise me because there were games, Johnny, where I would go, have they even attempted one down the field? Right. And they wouldn't for no. entire games. Mm-hmm. No. They didn't have the players to stretch the field. They didn't have the guys who could do it. It's just, it. well, to me, it's crazy that you wouldn't even attempt it. Even if you don't have the guys, you got to at least I agree try. With you. Like, waste a down on that. Who cares? At I least, agree. you know, like, make the other team think you might. That's um, right. Which is absurd to me that they didn't do that. But it does, I think, go to show the confidence that, you know, the coaching staff had in those players that they just did not think that they could go out there and, and win the game for them. And that's what I mean by having like a, like a theme or an idea. Like you've got to be able to trust that your players can do certain things. And then when you show another team that you can't do those things, when you can't stretch them deep or you can't run inside or do whatever, you know, whatever comes to your mind, they're going to know that the other team is going to pick up on that and they're going to attack you mercilessly. They will put all their safeties within five yards of the line of scrimmage yeah. and dare you to do something. Um, and, and that's what was happening all throughout the Fiesta Bowl, what happened all throughout the season in some cases. Um, you know, and again, Ohio State some really impressive wins, but it almost seemed like it, it was like some magical elixir that they took on some of those games where it just seems like everything clicked and then the next game it was forgotten and they didn't have that idea or identity about who they were. All true. I mean, it's it's all true, and and I, so I think you know they'll have some big issues. They've got to, They're going to have to work in a new offensive staff. We don't know how you know what what all that will be. Yeah. Um. They've they've got to develop playmakers around J T. Barrett. They've got to get J T. Barrett's confidence back as a passer because he's not stepping and throwing like he did when he was a redshirt freshman. He's right. got to get that back. Uh. They got to rebuild that offensive line. Um, they got to rebuild the secondary and yet they will go into next season ranked in the top 10 and you and I will do a podcast in August and I will say they're going to go 12 and one and win the big 10. So that's, right. <laughs> well, here's that's the, the world we live in, right? I want to tell you I mean, something though. If you want to bring in a dude, if you want to bring in a dude who can develop that kind of talent and get people passing and make them feel good about themselves and maybe find some guys and give them some skills, Kevin Wilson's the guy to do that. Um, oh, he, he was so good at Oklahoma yeah. as a coordinator. Yeah, At Oklahoma, the guys that he found in Indiana and yeah. got them to play really well, I mean, you saw that against Ohio State year after year. Uh, he's the guy who can come in and I think can really do, like I know that's this is an unofficial title a lot of guys have, but the quality control that he can do on the team on offense, especially with the players that they have right now, I think will be invaluable because you can definitely coach up some of these guys, and Kevin Wilson's been doing that his entire career. So yeah. to me, that's a big plus for Urban Meyer and Ohio State going into Well, it's a home run. I mean, I think Kevin did one of the best jobs in the Big Ten in the time I covered it because yeah. the talent disparity was enormous, and they gave Ohio State fits. And so, I mean, I think Wilson, Shiano – we haven't, didn't really talk about Davis, but I mean, that, or Day, because I don't know who he is, but I mean, like, this will be a fascinating mix, you know, as, as this, but this is definitely the second, this is really the full second, we're now into the second act of Urban's tenure at Ohio State. We're, we're yeah. smack dab in the middle of his second act, and 
we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I think we're definitely in the middle of it now and um, obviously a busy week and we'll have much more to discuss. I'm sure by the time we do this show next week, because I'm guessing there will be <laughs> plenty of more guys going pro and, and maybe, maybe some more coaching stuff that, that starts to get finalized and maybe a little bit more movement. Yeah. I I'm really interested to see how just the pro situation, you know, the guys trying to leave early and well, yeah. takes out. Because that's that's such a personal decision. I know there's a lot of guys who are going to be sitting on that for a while because the, you never want to go out on a loss like that. And I know that sits with players for a bit. I mean, some of these guys, I think uh, Lattimore was talking even earlier today before he was tweeting, you know, Will Smith and everything. Uh, that was so fun. It's such a great game. Yeah, which is great. Uh, but they just didn't want to talk about it yet. And I, I totally get that. I mean, if I were one of the players, I don't even think I'd be thinking about anything really football related for about a week so yeah. it, it's gonna sh- it's gonna take a little while to shake itself out and um the other thing is the attrition and that that's the other thing that i think we're going to talk to or talk about as we get closer to signing day uh the kind of attrition that you'll see on the football team because there's a lot of guys who have been in the program a long time highly touted dudes yes. who have played nothing like they've done no. nothing no. Um, and, and look at quarterback i mean it's not going to happen this year but look, I mean, how in the hell are you, if you think about going out of next year, you know, going into next year, you're going to have Tate Martell, you're going to have Haskins, you're going to have uh, Joe Football, and you're going to have Stephen Collier, and you're going to have five quarterbacks. And, <laughs> and Tate Martell might sit around for a year and be okay, but he's yeah. not going to sit three years. No. He's sitting three. Uh, and what do you do with Haskins? Like, Haskins thinks he can play. And by right. all accounts, he can. <laughs> by all accounts, he's pretty damn good. Um, you know, so one of those guys I don't think is going to be around. And that doesn't say anything about Collier or Joe football. And then you got Emory Jones coming in after that. So they've got what they have going on. We Attrition, it's a great point because there will be a lot of guys who you made a very big deal about over the last few years on signing day who will be finding greener pastures over the next, over the next few weeks. And that's, and that's just the reality of, of football. Now, I, I will say, I mean, and that's another thing that I think has been just – a dramatic shift for me personally trying to figure out football in general is, you know, when I was in college and I was, you know, first starting to really get into college football and, and find out more about it, um, at least, you know, beyond a casual fan level, I got really indignant about the gray shirting and all the other things that, uh, you know, I saw <laughs> Nick Saban doing the SEC. And of right. course, Urban Myers, you know, really brought that to Iowa State in a certain way. Um, but it's, it's all part of the deal now. And I, I think, you know, anybody who doesn't, any coach who doesn't do that kind of thing, risks getting left in the dust and what's crazy to me is that there's still a lot of fans who haven't kind of come around to the idea that players maybe should be protected in some of those cases a little bit not that not that they you know should be encouraged to go to other schools or something like that you know maybe tacitly but uh that if a coach leaves a player shouldn't also maybe have that same kind of i love um, that idea you know what i mean like they they should have that same ability to do that without penalty that a lot of coaches you were recruited by tom herman to houston you only went to houston because of tom herman you shouldn't have to stick around there because he left i mean yeah and we're gonna see so many guys who are gonna be like nudged out of the program like yeah i don't hate that anymore but i do hate the idea that those guys might be penalized a year for that like you've got well if you're gonna do that john then you gotta let them walk without penalty that's what i'm saying if you you can run them if you can run them out and say your scholarship's no good you're i'm sure you're hurt we're not going to clear you blah 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 then they should be able to leave without penalty on a transfer i mean you got to have it the same way you got to play by fair rules Uh, so these are all things we'll be monitoring my friend over the uh, next couple weeks um good chat look lots going on and we'll have much more to talk about next week as i'm sure much more news will will come down over the next uh the next seven days yeah and uh you know 
also followed that up with another hour and a half about Ohio State basketball, so that'll be fun too. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not gonna do as that. I'm, as I'm doing this podcast, I'm watching the Blue Jackets go up three to one, and I'm wondering just like what will the attention span be in that city for Ohio State basketball if the Blue Jackets keep this stuff up? Like if I got they, tickets on Saturday. They're, not, they're going to lose at some point, clearly, but like if they win seven to ten and they're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yep. Um, going into the playoffs, like the whole city will be have jackets fever, and the Ohio State basketball team, because it's not a really inspiring group anyway, will be lost. I mean, they will be playing in front of tens, no, ten thousand empty seats in a cavernous building, and that's something they've never had to deal with. Yeah, I uh, I got tickets on Saturday for the Rangers, and if they went out, if they win tonight, and then I think I think they play Boston maybe on Thursday, something like that. Uh, that'll be for the record. So I'm I'm super pumped about that. That's gonna be yeah. Great. Well, it's, you're gonna get a. It's gonna be a great barn, and you're gonna. I love saying barn. Um, so <laughs> it's 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 good stuff. So all right, buddy. We will talk next week. Lots to get to, obviously. So uh, I'm sure there'll be much more to get to next week. Yep. See you next week.